0: Welcome to all of our visitors from my side. It's great to be with you this morning uh, as we were praying uh, for for Ilza and for Etienne and for Louis and his family. Um, I just experienced, you know, uh, last year when we were in Cape Town, we went through the Yimlin Art of Valet. Um Some of you have been there. It's beautiful. It's all these vineyards that's just sitting there. And, you know, if you go into one of them and you start hearing the the history of these vineyards, you, you hear that it's you know, it's really uh, maybe the, th- the third or the fourth generation that these th- generations are going. And I, I just experienced how the Lord um, promised, promise that you will harvest into the fourth generation um, of what you are, have sown in the last 10 years. And that's my prayer for you, that you will harvest into the fourth generation of what you've been giving um, over this time. So thank you, thank you, Louis. Um, I, what I know about pastoral is what I've learned from Louis. <laughs> I grew up under him, so thank you. Right. Okay. Donnie um, started our new sermon series last week. Uh, we, we are preaching over the next six weeks into undignified worship. And so this is really a, a sermon series of how, how we can not just worship, God in these moments on a Sunday, but make worship a lifestyle. Oh, there you are, Louis. <laughs> um, and so each week, what we want to do is we would like to share one of the seven, like Eugene said, the seven, the seven Hebrew words um, that explain praise and worship, and then how we can use this to appropriately respond in worship, not just on a Sunday, but also in our lives, in our daily lives, and based on a Sunday, we, we want to link this with a specific um, characteristic or a revelation of God. And the aim is that we can always, and in all circumstances, worship God. It's not just a Sunday thing, it is a lifestyle. And so the word that we want to share with you today is Barak. Say to the person next to you, Barak. Barak. Okay, Barak, and so Barak is basically this, it's a change of posture, it is, it is, um, you are bowing down, you are kneeling, you are with your, in many instances, this was also Barak, Okay, here we go, face down to the floor, okay, that's Barak. If you missed it, sorry, we don't have a video. And so, Barak, to kneel or bow down in worship, to fall face down, to adore God. And the revelation that we want want to share this morning is God is holy. God is holy, and God's holiness demands from us to deal with sin. And so many times when we speak about Barak, you know, to bow down before God, we shy away from it because we have bowed down to other things. We worship other things. And so God demands from us to deal with sin in our lives so that we can worship Him, change our posture, bow before Him. Right? And so if you have your Bibles, you're welcome to open up in Psalm 51. Psalm 51 is, is a very cool psalm. Okay. Um, and we're going to get to the background of Psalm 51, but I want to share with you these five verses from verse 10 in Psalm 51. It says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. And take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me, listen to this, the joy of your salvation. And uphold me with a willing spirit. It says, then I will teach teach transgressors your ways. And sinners will return to you. Deliver me. From blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. Lord, I pray that as we take a walk, Lord, this morning through your scriptures, that you will speak into our hearts. But not Lord, not just on the surface. I pray, Lord, that each one of us will go to those places, those moments, those hidden spaces that we don't want to share, that, that almost hinders us, Lord, to be able to bow before you. I pray, Lord, that this morning, your Holy Spirit will gently speak into our hearts. I pray in Jesus' name. And so the topic of my sermon today is sincere consecration. It is for all of us to sincerely, to be able to sincerely consecrate us before God in this change of posture because God is holy. And so if we go to the very first verse of Psalm 51, it says, to the choir master, a Psalm of David. When Nathan, the prophet, went to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. So, what happened there? Because Psalm 51 is the result of what happened there. And so, you can turn your Bibles to 2 Samuel 11, and we're going to, this morning, speak about 2 Samuel 11 and 12. And so, we find these two stories in these two chapters, which are closely related because it's got the same main character, which is David. But each one of these stories has got a very diverse outcome and eventually had a major impact on the whole of Israel. Everything changed from that moment. I'm going to read the story. And so, we're going to take a little walk through these two chapters this morning to get to understand Psalm 51, why David responded in this way in Psalm 51. And so, in chapter 11, we read about the story of how King David pursued a married woman in the form of Bathsheba. And then in chapter 12, we read how the prophet Nathan eventually, eventually confronts King David on this act. And so... Verse 1 of chapter 11, we already see how things went wrong. Listen to this. In the very first verse, in the spring of the year, when kings normally would go out to war, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. So David was not even supposed to be at his house. He was supposed to be on the battlefield with Joab and everyone else. But he stayed. He stayed. And so we're not going to read the whole story. I want to share highlights with you so that you can get a, a clear picture, even in our modern day, how this would maybe look like from this scene in, in chapter 11. And so we see in, in verse 1 and 2, David stayed and he wandered around in his house one afternoon, Maybe he was bored because all his men is on the battlefield. He's not supposed to be there. And so now he doesn't have friends there. He's the king. Who's he gonna invite over for a coffee? You know. And there he saw a lady bathing on the roof. And so that intrigued him. And so what happens when he got intrigued? He started stalking. Huh? Okay, you don't have to put up your hand if you Facebook stalked before. But let's, maybe that, maybe that is what David would have done if he had a laptop there and Facebook. And, but, sorry, what is his name? Just <laughs> so he stalked it because he sent someone to Go and find out to gather information about this woman. And so the report came back. And what was the report? Oh, when you go, okay. I see relationship status, married. Oh, ish. Okay, so the wife, she is the wife of Uriah. He knew the relationship. It's not single, it's not complicated, it's not praying for a miracle. No, it's. It's married. He knew the relationship status. And verse 4, it says, he slept with her. He slept with her. He had a one-night stand with her, in our, in our modern term, a one-night stand. And then verse 5, the consequence, she became pregnant. She became pregnant. And so then we see a few crazy things happen in this story, if you go and read it, like David then sent men to go and get um, Bathsheba's wife, Uriah, let him come home. He's like, bro, your wife misses you. You have to go in to lay with her. And uh, he he didn't want to do that. He he said, no, he's not going to do that. Why did David want Uriah to be with his wife? To cover up his sin, right? To cover up. And Uriah denied, and he said he's not going to do that. And eventually, David tried this two or three times. Eventually, he sent him back to the battlefield with a report saying, put him on the front line so that he can be killed. And so Uriah was killed in battle on the front lines from a word from David. And then if you read verse 27, David then took Bathsheba as his wife. And he looked like the hero, ah, oh, your husband died on the battlefield, let me rescue you. And then she became pregnant. And in the public eye, everything seemed fine, right? He covered it up perfectly. Except if we read verse 27, the last part. The thing that David had done displeased the Lord. God knew. God knew, because there's nothing that we can hide from God, friends. Nothing. Now, most scholars would agree that the time from 2 Samuel 11 until the time of 2 Samuel 12 was one year, because the baby was already born. And, and so um, there's, there's proof that the time was about one year. And so David, you have to understand that David lived with a sin for one whole year, he spoke to no one. No one knew. And that's where we pick up chapter 12. And so the scene in chapter 12 starts like this. The Lord sent the prophet Nathan to David to tell him this story. That there were two men in the same town. One was rich and one was poor. And the rich man had many animals, while the poor man had only one lamb. And so one day there came a guest. The guest came and he wanted to spend some time with a rich man. And so the rich man wanted to prepare a meal for this guest, but he didn't want to use one of his own animals. And so what did he do? He went to the poor man and he took his one and only lamb to prepare a meal for the guest. And so when David heard this story, he was furious. He said the rich man need to pay back four times what he took from the poor man. And straight up, Nathan looked him in the eye and said, you are that man. You are that man. Can you imagine that moment? Can you imagine the the scare that must have come, the fear of God that must have come over David's heart? Knowing that someone knew his secret. And so Nathan made a point to point out in verse 7 that, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel. And so in those days, God required the anointed king. We learned this last week when Don, spoke of this. The king, the anointed king of Israel had to have a handwritten copy of the book of Deuteronomy. After writing this copy, then he was required to carry this, this copy and read it daily. You can read this in Deuteronomy 17, verse 18. This was required from the anointed king of Israel. It was law. And so therefore, as the anointed king, David had to knew they he had to know the law, remember? And so he had to know Deuteronomy 17, verse 17, which say which deals With the marital status of the king. And it says, he shall not acquire many wives for himself. Listen to this. Lest his heart turn away. What happened? His heart turned away. And this was the law that exposed David in this moment. Then Nathan continued in verse 9 in this chapter 12. And he asked David, why have you despised the word of the Lord to do what is evil in the sight, in his sight? Right, so everything, a whole year silent, everything happened. David is silent. Nathan came, he speaks this story, looks him straight in the eye, say, you are this, you are this man. And so, and so Nathan asks him, why have you done this? Now, you have to realize, we're not dealing here with some Mickey Mouse person. We are dealing with the king of Israel. He has the power to do anything in this moment. He can literally kill Nathan, make him go away, and keep the secret, right? And so the question is, how did David respond? And so we're going to pick up this from verse 13 to Samuel 12. Verse 13 to 20. I'm going to read certain parts. The first response, verse 13, it says, David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord also, already, immediately, the Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die, verse 40, nevertheless, because by this deed you have utterly scorned the Lord. The child who is born to you shall die. Then Nathan went to his house, and and the Lord afflicted the child that Uriah's wife bore to David, and he became sick. Second response, verse 16. David therefore sought God on behalf of the child, and David fasted and went in and lay all night on the ground. Verse 17. And the elders of the house stood beside him to raise him from the ground, but he would not, nor did he eat food with them. On the seventh day, the child died. Verse 19. When David saw that his servants were whispering together, David understood that the child was dead. And David said to his servants, is the child dead? They said, yes. Verse 20, third response. Then David arose from the earth and washed, anointed himself, and changed his clothes. And he went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Amazing. The king of Israel and do anything. He responded in three ways. In a very, very difficult moment in his life. He responded in this way. Firstly, he responded by acknowledging his sin. He responded by saying, Yes, I have sinned. Verse 13 David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. He came to a place where he realized, I have a problem. I was bowing down to other things. I worshiped other things. You see, friends, we will not come to a place where we will be able to bow down before God if we are busy worshiping and bowing down to other things or persons, or peoples in our life. The, the writer of Romans said so, so um, uh, plainly almost to the Roman church, he's saying, I have given you up in the first chapter. I gave you up because you have exchanged the truth for a lie. You have started to worship the creature instead of the creator. You have started to worship the creature, the created things instead of the creator. And so in this moment, the appropriate start, the appropriate place for David to come back to God is saying, Lord, I have a problem. I have sinned. Yes. I have a problem. I am a sinner. I am an addict. I have sinned. I am not perfect. I don't have it all together. I do make mistakes. The Bible says, um, I think it's in a book of of Hebrew or or James, that we lie if we say that we are without sin. We all have sinned. We just have to come to a place where we acknowledge it and say, okay, I'm caught. I have sinned. And so David says, I have sinned. And this confession of him was immediately. And so was God's forgiveness, if you read verse 13. God forgave him graciously, immediately. And so we've, we read the fuller expression of David's confession. And so Psalm 32 is also linked to this time in David's life. And so if you want to read with me in Psalm 32 from verse 2, it says, Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Listen verse 3. It speaks about the time when he was silent. He says, For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up. As by the heat of summer. And listen to verse 5. I acknowledged my sin to you. And I did not cover my iniquity. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Beautiful is that. David acknowledged. His first response was. I have sinned. I have a problem. What appropriate way. start to worship God. His second response was, he repents. He repented face down. He repented with his face down. He asked God's forgiveness. He sincerely consecrated himself. Verse 16, David therefore sought God on behalf of the child. I'm going to make a comment on this right now. And David fasted and went in and lay all night on the ground. Now, many times when we repent, we repent because of the sin, right? Or because of the consequence of the sin. But the object of repentance is not the sin or the consequence in itself. But it's really about the effect it has on the relationship with God. And so repentance for us is to turn away from our sin and not to focus on that, but to turn to the relationship that we have with the holy and pure God. And so when we read, you can go and read Psalm 32, Psalm 51, how many times David even mentioned the child that died in that, in that time of his life, not even once. Because for him, yes, As bad as it was that he lost a child, he consecrated himself to get back into relationship with the Almighty Father. Bowing down is one of the most common acts of worship in the Bible. And Barak, to to change your posture, speaks of reverence. Submission to take yourself under whatever you have placed yourself under and place yourself back under God's submission. It speaks about worshiping from that place and having a fear of God. And so when we read in the Bible, the spontaneous response when someone is confronted with the holiness of God would be to fall down, would be to bow down. And so, just for a moment, can you just close your eyes? I want you to imagine this moment. David was confronted with the holiness of God. And so, can you, for a moment, imagine verse 16? David, with this confrontation, falling down with his face to the ground. Can you see it? And for a whole week, he did not eat anything. At a certain point, he said, my tears are my food. And so we know that his heart was broken. From his spirit, can you hear? So I wait for you. So I wait for you. I'm falling on my knees, offering all my needs. Jesus, you're all this heart is living for. You see, that moment had nothing to do with what David can bring to the it had everything to do with the holiness of an almighty God. (laughs) That moment, David did not care about food. He did not care about fashion. He did not care about the, the skill of the drummer. In that moment, all he wanted to do to get back to God was to get closer to God may our repentance may our repentance in our daily lives worship the king and then we see the third response He rises up in worship, restoring the relationship. He rises up in, rela- in, 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 in worship, asking God, help me. Help me through your Holy Spirit. Don't take your Holy Spirit away from me. Guide me. Help me. Verse 20 says, Then David arose from the earth and washed and anointed himself and changed his clothes. And he went into the house of the Lord and he worshipped. And then he wrote Psalm 51. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold Me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness. Uriah, right? O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. Restoring, huh? verse 12 restore to me he was he said to god restore my relationship with you responding in worship and what did he experience he experienced grace he experienced forgiveness he experienced the loving uh, kindness of a father because that is who god is Yes, he's got laws, but he loves us so much. And when we come to him, he accepts us lovingly every time. But it's for us to come to him. It is for us to acknowledge the things that is not right in our lives. It is us that need to turn to God because God already turned to us turn to Him, to repent to Him, to say, I'm sorry, and to restore the relationship through worship, worshiping Him. And so how does this message apply to you and me? Are you aware of anything that keeps you away from God? I want to invite the band. We're going to just respond this morning. Are you willing to search your heart this morning of the times that maybe you have kept quiet, like David kept quiet? Are you willing this morning to acknowledge or become aware and identify the things that is keeping you away from worshiping the king the way that you were created to do? Are you willing this morning to confess those things to God? Because he is willing to forgive you. He wants to be in a relationship with you. Are you willing this morning to change your posture and to bow down before the king of kings? Because in this moment, he is holy. He is still holy. He will always be holy. And all of us are confronted with His holiness this morning.